Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lost Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you.
you are entering the Rory Sauter Show, home of America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporter. Climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. show. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. I hope you all are doing amazing. I hope everything is going accordingly. I hope your world is, is great wherever it is right now. I got listeners everywhere, all over the United States and all over the 
all of it in different countries as well. And um, I want to thank, again, you know, every episode, I always thank my audience. Every single episode, I make it my duty because the numbers keep growing and growing with the show, and uh, it just keeps progressing and getting better and better uh, each episode with audience. I mean, the numbers, it's, uh, it's unbelievably um, amazing. And, and I want to – my support for all of you, uh, I'm forever grateful. So, um, you know, thank you, and, and God bless. Um, we have a huge show today. We, I wanna, again, I want to thank all my guests yesterday. We had a great show yesterday. Uh, if you all tuned in, uh, we got a lot established and addressed and talked about. Um, we do have a huge show today as well. Um, you know, we have criminal defense attorney, formal federal prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, and best-selling author David Shistokis will be calling in. Political strategist, lobbyist, best-selling author, senior editor of, of Real Clear Markets, and the director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks, John Tamney, will be calling in. Director Gianni Rodriguez Perez will be calling in shortly and joining us. Uh, we will also be having our, our, our great uh, co-host and friend Josh uh, Halabadi will be will be joining us. We're very excited. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so much, you know, news and uh, breaking stuff going on today. Um, it's, I mean, it's one thing after the other. Um, real quick, guys, I want to welcome to the show my co-host, Josh, my co-host. How are you, buddy? Good to have you on. Pleasure. Hey, hey, going how's on? it going? How's it going? Going well, man. It's, uh, it's good to have you. Another day. We had a great show yesterday. Um, I was just about to get to the uh, opening monologue. You're uh, you're right on time, so uh, everything's perfect, perfect. there. Um, what's going on with you, man? Give us some uh, give us the details. How's everything going? Dude, just got done playing a little uh, little little college ball, so uh, getting ready getting ready for uh, preseason practices here, and uh, just uh, I'm feeling good right now. I just got a workout in, so I feel I feel fantastic. There you go, man. Man, my favorite sport, man, basketball and football. Basketball and football, man. I those are my two favorites, and I, uh, man, I love, I love basketball, man. That's so cool, man. And and it's such a, it really is, man. Like I love pickup games. I love, you know, I used to play in high school, and you know, I, um, it's it's one of my, it's definitely my favorite sport to play. You know, football is also another one of my. I, I you know, they're so equal. I love them both so much. You know, and the reason I love football and basketball so much, and I want to tell my audience this. I don't think I've ever told my audience this. I like fast-paced games. I don't like slow-paced sports. I don't like, I, you know, I don't really pay attention to baseball. I don't, you know, a lot of people do. A lot of people love it, and, you know, forgive me. But uh, I'm more like a fast-paced guy, like football, basketball. I, li- I like, uh, and there's just more energy. There's more enthusiasm. There's more action. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, hey, that's why you like Trump. I tell you what, seventy percent done in his first uh, first year as a president. I mean, good night. Exactly, exactly. And you know, um, I want to welcome to the show real quick our other co-host, the director Gianni Rodriguez Paris. Uh, he's been doing a lot of great work down in South Carolina. He just helped uh, uh, big man get elected. Yeah, last night in a, in a big uh, pivotal um, situation. Tell us about it, Gianni. 
Oh well, yeah, it was uh, it was a real great time. Um, you know, it was a long campaign, and I'm pretty sure Josh could agree. You know, and you know, it was a lot of dirt being you know thrown and a lot of lies. Oh, and you, you know, being yeah, thrown that's at. correct. You and Josh worked on that for on together for a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay, yeah. So continue though. Continue the dirt and stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, it's all right. Yeah, it's a lot. It was a lot of lies being thrown, like usual, uh, at a Republican candidate, and uh, I think he's going to do a good job. You know, he, his dad is infamous for calling Obama, you know, the liar. He said, "You lie." Congress <laughs> and all that. That's what his dad is famous for. But yeah, um, Alan Wilson has been doing a great job. You know, he's chased after, uh, you know, sex predators. He's uh, he has a team of uh, that goes against sex trafficking. You know, he's definitely pro second amendment you know and he really has a lot of conservative principles that help south carolina and uh, i really believe that you know uh, south carolina giving him a second chance uh he's actually going to do even better uh at making it safe uh for south carolina i'm so glad man and and it's a big victory congratulations i mean that's uh you know and you know speaking speaking of elections you know, a, a big thing happened last night in the state of Nevada. Uh, Dennis Hoff, owner of the Bunny Ranch, won the, a GOP primary, and uh, he beat like a career-long politician. This is huge news. And Dennis Hoff, owner of the Bunny Ranch, is a big Trump supporter. He follows the mega agenda. So, people, I want to say something very quickly, and, and this is very honest. You got the owner of a brothel whorehouse. I mean, don't get me wrong. Dennis Hoff is a very successful man. He's done very well for himself. I give him credit because he started from the very bottom. But you, this just goes to show how much voters want outsiders. They want people that are going to go with the Trump agenda. They don't give a shit about establishment. You know, they what, what they care about is. Um, you know, they, they don't care about establishment, you know, these voters. And we saw that. I mean, an example last night, um, you know, with Nevada, Dennis Hoff winning the GOP primary, the owner of the Bunny Ranch brothel. I cannot believe it. I mean, I can, but at the same time, it's like we're living in 2018, and all of these outsiders are coming in and wiping out these establishment schmucks that need to, you know, just like Trump says, drain the swamp, drain the swamp. I mean, it's pretty incredible stuff, I'll tell you. Um, I don't know if you heard about that, Josh. I, my, my, get, my special guest is on the show. I want to welcome him real quick, and then I want to get Josh your feedback and then Johnny real quick. But uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to have you on, John. Uh, you've done, you have a big resume. You know, you're, you're the senior editor of Real Clear Markets and the director of the Center for Economic Freedom at FreedomWorks. So, and you, you've been featured in many magazines, Forbes, Entrepreneur, uh, Wall Street Journal, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you've been on Fox News. You've been on a lot of different media outlets. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to be here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's awesome to have you on. It's a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, and you've, you've written books. You've written books, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a few of them, right? Yep, yep. Uh, three different books. Uh, my latest, The End of Work, about the beautiful evol- evolution of work, is out right now. Um, but uh, so look forward to discussing. Very nice. Okay. Well, we're very excited to have you on. 
It's a real pleasure. Um, so what I want to do is, Josh, I just want to get your your thoughts real quick, man. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that, you know, Bunny Ranch thing. You know, the the owner of the Bunny Ranch won the uh, GOP primary last night in Nevada. Yeah, I'm. I mean, you hit it the the nail right on the head. It's it's when when people don't like establishment Republicans that much that they vote in the owner of a brothel. Like you normally the the, the Republican side normally the Republican side is the side that you know is a, a lot more cares about a lot more morality and generally yeah. you know like. They don't yeah. want someone to be remarried a bunch. They don't want someone to be, you know, a known player or something or a criminal. But, like, the Republican – establishment Republican Party has went away from its roots so far that a guy that owns a brothel in Nevada has more moral standing than the career politician that was running against him. I mean, it, it just shows how far they've gotten away. It's one of the reasons Trump uh, won and is going to win so big in this upcoming election. Oh, Absolutely, one one hundred percent. And you know, it, it's Bob Corker. Um, you know, came out and kind of tried to Trump supporters um, yesterday, calling Trump supporters a cult, and the GOP is turning into the Trump Party, and it's turning into the whole Trump cult. Well, yeah, Bob Corker, it is turning into the Trump party because all of you establishment schmucks and punks, I'm not saying all, I'm saying about 90% of you in D.C. have screwed us for so many years, and the people have had enough. That's why they're so drawn to Trump, and that's why they're so drawn to outsiders. They are sick of politicians bossing them around and telling them how to live their life. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you couldn't uh, you couldn't have said it. You couldn't have said it any better. It's the it's the world we live in right now with uh, the way. I mean, for both parties, too, both parties are pushing their normal, especially the primary voters, the ones that really got out to vote for primaries. They push them out of their own party and they don't know where to go. And honestly, you know where they're going. They're falling right into the hands of a successful president. No matter what they think about, you know, what he said about Mexicans, apparently, or what the media says, they're, they're falling into someone who's being successful in getting things done instead of just filling seats in Washington. And it's, you know, it's the way it's going to be until someone changes. Well, first of all, I mean, you, you obviously know he never said anything bad about Mexicans. The only thing they no, go off of is when he made the speech, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime. They're rapists, and some are good people. What you see, the rapes that are happening at the border, you see all the drugs coming across the border. I mean, you know, Trump's a New Yorker. He's kind of a smartass. He, he, he said it how it was. I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? It absolutely is. And I, you know what? I, I, you mentioned the New Yorker thing. I love talking to anybody from, you know, from the New York area. And Gianni, you can attest to this. I mean, people just act differently and from so up there. Bu- they don't, so you know, can- they're not going to beat around the bush. Exactly. And, and our special guest on the line, John Pamney, you, um, you know, you're in D.C. You know, you see a lot of what's going on. You can probably resonate. You're out there every day. You're doing, you know, different work. I mean, you're, you're very involved. I mean, you have a, a, a very novel of a resume. It's very impressive. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I want to know, John, just tell us about your background. I want to know. Um, uh, you know, just everything about, you know, what, you know, what you, uh, you know, how, how everything came along and what you're currently doing and tell the audience, please. And we'll get into a lot of topics. We have a lot to discuss. 
Well, I think that'd be unfair to the audience to put them to sleep with, with all of my background. But um, I, oh, I, I do on. think it's an <laughs> I do think it's an interesting time right now. Um, I I must say I get a kick out of Trump too. I do think, however, that that we we need to be fair here when he's talking about slapping tariffs on foreign goods to protect certain industries, that is business as usual in Washington. That's what presidents do, and that's a scenario whereby they protect very few at the expense of hundreds of millions of Americans. And so I want Trump to fight the establishment too, but I think sometimes when he talks about protecting certain industries, he becomes the swamp creature that he promised to get rid of. Please, will you um, please um, elaborate on that? Just some of the things. Can you just kind of get into be a little descriptive? Well, let's just let's you know what is an economy. It's just a collection of individuals. Um, right. Are you indiv- Are we individuals better off the more people we have competing to serve our needs? I think unquestionably yes. Um, and when you have the whole world competing to serve your needs, your paycheck stretches farther and farther. Uh, people on the right reasonably made fun of Nancy Pelosi for calling tax cuts crumbs for, for the little people. Well, in the same way, when you uh, th- this adds up, when you, and so it's better if you have the whole world fighting to serve your needs. And so when President Trump says, I'm going to levy tariffs on Chinese steel and aluminum from this country… What he's doing is he's saying I'm going to protect, I'm going to protect say 21,000 steel jobs, but I'm going to thieve from every single one of you Americans in order to protect these jobs. Well, you know, there's 21,000 steel jobs, 330 million Americans. That strikes me as business as usual. Rory, do you mind if I do you mind if I touch on this? Um, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I. Yeah, first off, John, I think you're 100% correct. This is the only thing that I'm optimistic about with Trump. Uh, I completely agree that tariff, I, I, you know, I think we should have zero tariffs whatsoever um, because I believe in a free market economy, uh, and true capitalism works best that way. But this is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping, and I know that Trump is a smart guy, and I, I know that he knows how tariffs work because he ran a business for his whole life. So I'm hoping that he gets some of these things straightened out. I'm, I'm really hoping that he ends up backing off of many of these tariffs and so do these other countries because we'll all be fear, freer. And I think he'll do that because I think he's smart. I think he knows how to run a business. Um, I, yeah, look, I, I hope you're right too. You know, uh, I haven't always uh, sided with him, but here's an example where I sided with him big time. When people were criticizing real quick, him for- real, real quick, real quick. Uh, John, uh, look, if you, if you had to give a percentage of how many times you've sided with him, what percentage would you give it? <laughs> I'd probably say about uh, 35 40% of the time. So I'm pretty good, but I'll tell you where I loudly okay. sided with him is when he said that uh, he follows the stock market. And that he, when he started bragging about the stock market, I thought that's great. What I would give if every president said, I'm going to be judged. I want to be judged based on what investors think of me because stock markets are just information machines. And this is where I think maybe hopefully you're right um, on the trade front. If Trump moves in a, in a direction of tariffs, that is something that would damage the U.S. economy by definition. And it would show up in lower stock market prices simply because we have the most valuable companies in the world in the U.S., 
and they're very reliant on selling to the rest of the world. Figure that Apple sells 20% of its iPhones in China. Boeing sells one-fourth of its planes in China. Uh, Nike's number two market is China. There are more Starbucks in Shanghai, double the number than there are in, in New York City. Uh, GM sold more cars in China in the first quarter than it sold in all of North America. And so if Trump moves against free trade, it's going to be a disaster for the stock market. And so hopefully in watching the stock market, he realizes he's got to keep uh, the U.S. open to the world's plenty. I, you know, it, here's my take on it. Well, Josh, I'll let you respond. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, with the tariffs thing, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I do think that, you know, he does care about what the stock market numbers are. So I think those things are really important. And, I, you know, um, being, being someone who, you know, just got back from a bunch of FEE.org uh, conferences, which I don't know if anybody you know who that is, but it's uh, Foundation, Foundation for Economic Education, they really push no tariffs. Um, and, you know, it's basically the only thing that I disagree with Trump on. But the reason I believe that he's pushing it is because uh, I do really believe that these other countries are really screwing us over with their tariffs. So it's, you know, it's a really hard thing of do we just if, – if we went no tariffs tomorrow – would, would if their tariffs stay, it really doesn't help the problem. But I mean, you know, I, there's got to be a way. That, I guess the negotiations that need to happen need to make it so that there's no tariffs for either of us. That's how you win. Well, but you win by having no tariffs. If we want to, if we want no tariffs tomorrow, the stock market would skyrocket. And we would be – we're already the richest country in the world, and we would be exponentially richer. Look yeah. at Hong Kong. No tariffs Wait, what, at all. The best trade deals are the ones that open up the country the most to the world's plenty, regardless of what everyone else does. Look at Hong Kong. No tariffs at all. Nothing. Zero tariffs. And so by definition, everyone's, quote, screwing over Hong Kong through the prism of Trump. But no, Hong Kong citizens benefit because they have the whole world competing to serve their needs. That's the economy. You, and then when you, can, when do, you, when you have, can divide up work with the rest of the world, you are, your people get to do the work that most elevates their skills. And so is Hong Kong poor because it has no tariffs and the rest of the world has tariffs? No. Is the, is the U.S. poor because it's got an average 1.4% tariff? No, we're basically Hong Kong. Why Trump would want to move us away from Hong Kong is odd because John, rich countries John, are open to the world John, plenty. John, here, John, here's the thing. Here's the way I look at it, and I really have a strong you know, point and, and, and theory behind this, is that when, when we're $500 billion, with a B, 500 billion deficit in trade, and we have all of these countries, especially, I mean, China has really been taking advantage of us for many years. And believe it or not, Canada has too. I mean, I know a lot of people want to deny it. How do they take advantage of us? They have Wait on a certain, we are, certain things. Why do you get up in the morning and work every day? Because you want things. How is it that someone can take advantage of you when you get the best deal possible? But here's the thing, though. When we've had past past presidents, 
that have not been good negotiators, have been terrible leaders. Barack Obama was the worst president in history. Look what he look at the mess that Trump has to clean up. I mean, there are a lot of things that other countries, you know, took advantage and we all know that you know it's not just the Obama administration, but the Bush administration, all you know, all the the Clinton administration. These people made all of these terrible deals, like NAFTA, one of the, the probably the worst deal ever made. If you look at the How? facts, and are you kidding? Are you? Are, it was good for a little bit, but over time, it screwed us. I mean, we're the, you 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 do realize that, real right? Bill Clinton signed the worst deal, and it was only to benefit him. He knew it was going to work in the short term, but in the long term, he knew it was going to fuck everyone. And even people in his administration admitted it uh, after the fact, like later years later. Well, I, I don't think they did, and and you know, I don't. In my perfect world, there would be no trade deals. We would just be free to import from. Why are you a fan of wanted, NAFTA? But, I mean, why are you a fan? Trump's going to abolish it. He's done with it. Yeah, and if if you like the stock market and you like the economy, you should hope that he doesn't do that because it'd be very damaging to the but U.S. economy. But, but you got to understand something. People have said that about. I mean, how many times have people said that about Trump? Oh my God, he's going to do this. The stock market's going to uh, it's going to go down. Uh oh, here it comes. Something bad's going to happen. But but look at you know. That's I completely disagree because you can you see a leader like Trump and the stock market has never seen this much um, optimism and confidence. I mean, this is something that we're living in an economy like never seen before in, in so many aspects. I mean, you look at the GDP growth. I mean, Obama, you know, had the had probably the worst GDP growth out of any president in history. Trump's uh, he could he could get to four percent GDP very soon. Well, okay, and, and let me just explain something to you. That may well be true, but if you want to tank GDP, put up tariffs on foreign countries based on this mindless supposition that we strengthen ourselves when we make it more difficult for our people to buy the world's plenty and by extension make it more difficult for the greatest business in the world, which are in the U.S., to sell to the rest of the world. This but, but is here's not my elevating – whoa, whoa, no, 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 it's it, – it's my turn to, to point something out. Oh, if Trump's okay. the big swinging dick that you say he is, then you what should do you mean want by him that? to say if, – if he's the big, tough negotiator, then he, you should want him to say exactly this. Look, we're the, biggest, we're the biggest studs on the planet. We've got the greatest companies on earth. You're free to sell anything you want to sell in our country because guess what? People around, people around the world are buying our goods voraciously. If you look at the top ten companies in the world, nine of them are the U.S. So, yeah, we're a free market. You come and sell here because people around the world want to buy what we've got. That's what an American president would say. It's some president of a weak country would say, oh, no, we can't compete with you, so we're going to put up tariffs. I mean, but that's but, – but you look at – Look at all of the years that other countries have taken money from us. They've taken advantage of us. Look at all the politicians that have made all these deals that have given to foreign countries. Are you you kidding me? Are you oblivious to the reality? Tell tell me how they stole money from us. What were these deals where they stole money from us? Do you not read the newspaper? I mean, do you you work in D.C.? I I mean, you're not – I do every day. 
tell me how the American people are harmed when they have the, the greatest businesses in the world voraciously that fighting to just, serve that their needs. But hey, John, that does not justify other countries trying to, you know, get a little inch and then take a fucking mile like countries have for so long. And the, and the fact that you're denying it, I'm just one. I'm confused because any – I mean, look at Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow is probably the, one of the best econo- economic, uh, you know, in his professions ever. I mean, economist. He's one of the best ever next to Thomas Sowell, Sowell. I think that's how you pronounce the name. Um, but and I also love Milton. Um, was it was it Milton Friedman? Is that the other economist? Yeah, Milton Friedman. Yeah, but Milton Friedman agreed with me on trade, and I can guarantee you, I know Larry not very well. I, not all. I, yes, he did. He did, and as Larry Kudlow will say, and, and I can show it to you because he wrote it for the website. I edit Real Clear Markets. Tariffs are taxes, and they are cruel taxes on the American people. That rob but look at every all the other American countries putting tariffs hand... on us when we import, oh. when we import oh, cars, so you, so, when we so, import products. So you, you, want to, you, want, you want to mimic what other countries do to injure their no, people? No, but why should they get special treatment is my point. How do they get special treatment because when they're they, forced they're to pay tariff, higher prices tariffs for Because they're taxing the hell no. out of us and putting tariffs on our stuff, and we're not getting anything in return? I mean, yeah, and you so know, we, 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 so we, we should add insult so to injury more. by taxing so our own people. Right? Real quick, guys, let, let me, I'm going to try to mentally break this down here. This is Josh. Um, so uh, this is just the way that I kind of think about it. So let's just say that we get rid of all tariffs as America. So one, our, so imported goods are going to go down in price because there's going to be no tax on them as a tariff. So the price is going to be able to drop. So we're going to be able to buy more because it's going to be cheaper, as well as um, if we're importing goods to other countries and they still have tariffs, we're just going to raise prices on that. See, the thing with the trade deficit is, as a consumer, we have the power as a consumer. If we decide that we don't like that product, we decide we don't like it. I I feel like this is something that a lot of uh, pro-tariff people miss, is that the consumer has a hell of a lot of power that, you know, they act like the consumer has all the power. If, they, if, if they're selling us a shitty product, it doesn't matter if there's a tariff on it or not. If there's no tariff, we're still not going to buy it. You know, they shouldn't, you know, tariffs originally, the, 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 the way the tariffs originally started in the United States was that we had really bad factories and we were producing subpar products. Instead of importing it from Europe cheaply, we put tariffs so that then now Americans had to buy not as good products from America. I mean, this is, this is you, know, you know, Abraham Lincoln, terrible tariffs type stuff. This is, I mean, tariffs are bad. I mean, I understand what Trump's doing, trying to look out for America, but uh, I really but he's think he's going to come America. around to no tariffs. Tariffs are always, a higher tariff means you and I pay higher prices for stuff. This show, That's hey, right. this show is get, hey, it's getting really good. We got that. We got thousands of people listening right now. Real quick, John, I'm keeping you on the line. We got a lot to get into. I want to welcome my other special guest, though. Um, I want to, David. How are you, buddy? Um, criminal I'm defense fine, attorney, thanks, former, criminal defense attorney, formal federal prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, and best-selling author. Uh, David, how do you pronounce your last name again, man? I'm sorry. Sure, Shostokis. Shostokis. Okay, Shostokis. Okay, perfect. 
Yeah. Um, but it's great to have you on. Um, we're basically talking about tariffs right now. I'm sure you've been listening. Um, I want to get back to John's take in a second, but real quick, um, David, what's your take on this? My take on this is that we've been in a trade war for a long, long time, and we just uh, haven't been participants. The people have been firing shots at us, and uh, largely, you know, you can't find a Ford F-150 any place in Germany because they're taxed, they're taxed out of business. We open our markets to everybody else, and, you know, Trump's, Trump's opening shot at the, at the G7 was, in fact, let's do it with all tariffs for everybody. You know, and uh, they didn't. They, they weren't buying that, and so it's 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 just not fair. I think there are negatives to uh, trade deficits, I, and you can see them uh, when you drive around Detroit, when you drive around Elkhart, Indiana, when you drive around uh, downstate Illinois. You know, we're decimated by. It's it's terrible to be able to that you can't go into a Walmart and buy anything made in America. There the situations with currency manipulation. The World Trade Organization, when we invited China in, we sold out our country. Uh, so the fact is, is in terms of taking uh, a stand that puts us in a, in a situation, says if you you get rid of your trade barriers, then we'll do ours. The only way you can do that is the same way is to load the guns up. The only way they brought North Korea to the table was, in fact, to say, okay. We're we're not going to go for the containment situation, and and military options are on the table, and that's how come they came. That's how come they came to the table. They understood the military option. It's the same situation. He's playing the same game game with the trade. Yeah, and that's my I mean, take on it. John, you want to respond? Um. Yeah. Uh, l- let me be clear. There's no such thing as a trade deficit. Um, an economy is just a collection of individuals. Let me explain what a trade deficit is because it's nothing to be afraid of. I run a trade surplus with my employers. I run a trade deficit with my favorite restaurants, my favorite clothiers, my favorite drug stores. Trade deficits are the reward that individuals have because they run a surplus with their employers. And so you look at it, it – with countries. Countries don't trade with, with one another. Individuals do. We have a, quote, trade deficit with the rest of the world because we have the most valuable companies on earth. And we have the most valuable companies on earth precisely because we don't make low-value goods. We let poor countries like China make low-value goods for us. And let me explain. So we import from around the world T-shirts, socks, televisions, things that are too low value for us to make. And then we export shares in the most valuable companies in the world. But that hey, John, how do you the shares? Well, well the, the export of the shares, it does not count in the quote trade balance. But if you factor in that export, you'll then see that there is no deficit by definition, trade balances. Uh, what hey, we hey, have John, because of the quote, we, deficit is we just have a capital so surplus. John, real quick. Hey, real quick, John, how do you justify um, all of the – when all of these NAFTA – when, you know, Bill Clinton signed NAFTA, within a few years, all of our jobs went overseas and we lost millions of jobs, our factories closed down. I mean, how do you justify that? How, how can you say that's, NAFTA that's, is that's so called a sign, That's called a sign of progress. 
That is called a huge sign of progress. Do you remember what, the 1990s? What, our jobs taken away from American people? That's progress? I'm telling you. Know, we, 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 had, we had record low unemployment. We had a booming stock market. The stock market rose over 300% Well, look at the unemployment the right now, 50-year low. 50-year low unemployment, 50, 5, 0. Okay, and I'm saying it was low in the 90s, too. You must understand that if we were still a manufacturing country, we would be very poor. That's what poor countries do. We're a rich country, so logically we move a lot of manufacturing jobs elsewhere. Don't, let's not forget that New York City in the 1920s was the number one manufacturing city in the United States. Los Angeles was the number four manufacturing city. Guess who were, was two and three? Flint and Detroit. Okay, Flint and Detroit are still manufacturing cities, and they're failed cities. New York and Los Angeles, logically, they, they let those manufacturing jobs go long ago because that's what poor places do, and they're two of the richest cities on earth. If you that want to bring was, back manufacturing was. jobs, if in fact the U.S. does bring back manufacturing jobs, that will be a sign of American decline because we'll be doing work that the poorest countries on earth do for us. We'll be doing it for them. That will be a sign of poverty, not economic growth. Uh, you know, it really uh, sounds it, absurd. Go ahead, David. But in, in, in fact, you know, it's people. Yeah, but that's all. That that that's well and good for the people on the coast, and it's good for lawyers, and it's good for people that are in service industries. But certainly, not everybody is in a situation where they can where they can do those kinds of things. Exporting jobs to places that don't have the same kind of uh, environmental protections that don't have the same kind of Union and job protections that pay lower wages is not benefiting those countries because those countries are in fact taking advantage of the people and we're, we've been putting people out of work. It, well, wait yeah, a second. You guys just said that unemployment's circular. at a fifty-year low. Well, you can't have it both ways. And so we've That's been in the last year. Manuf- it's been manufacturing. It's been manufacturing. It's back. What well, well, you think it's that's because of what Trump's done in one year? People are people are working in factories again. I mean, really? No. Do you, real, do you company? realize? Yes. John. Look, John. John. I, mean, John, I John, think. Of, I think of the United States. John. Johnny. Johnny. You guys are retreating. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny, let me explain something to you real quick. So do you see the hundreds of thousands and even millions of jobs that have came back to America in in less than one year? I mean, Trump's been president over a year, but this happened in less than one year. I mean, and now it's it's a few million. It's millions and millions of all of these jobs that have came back since Trump became president. That's why unemployment then, is at a 50-year low, 5-0, 50-year low. It's not because okay, of anything else. And, it's not because of the not country jobs. They're not going to put some financial jobs. They are, in fact, manufacturing jobs. <laughs> they are not, guys. I gotta, not hey, Dave, John, John, did you vote? John, did you vote? Excuse me. John, did you vote for Barack Obama? Oh, no, I voted for Gary Johnson. <laughs> I'm libertarian. Right, I, got, I respect that. I respect that. Gianni, please, Gianni, please. Why do you re- please elaborate on why the, the why you respect? Because it? Go, go ahead. because because I have a lot of libertarian leanings too. So I do respect that he would vote for you know Gary Johnson did, even it, though he's an independent. But I I respect that it's better than you know Hillary and it's better than any other candidate to me. But um, I had a question for the guest. Uh, so if if we're not supposed to bring back manufacturing jobs, 
what do you think we need? Because I just came back on. So what do you think that should take the place of that? Since, you know, manufacturing shows a poor country, you know, what do you think shows a rich country? What, what kind of jobs will sustain people that, you know, need to find out, like, how am I going to feed my family? You know, and they might not have, you know, the smart college education like uh, everybody else does. What kind of jobs do you think uh, we should bring in? Well, if, if I knew exactly, I don't like to plan markets, and so if I knew exactly, I would be a billionaire. But but the, what the, what's important here is if it's about job creation, that would be easy. Let's just abolish the tractor, the car, the ATM machine, and the computer. Everyone in the United States will be working. We'll be incredibly poor, but everyone will be working. What drives economic growth is constant job destruction. If you look where jobs are most plentiful in the right. U.S., it's where jobs are constantly being placed. Silicon Valley is a monument to job destruction, yet if you're a barista, personal trainer, yoga instructor, sommelier, chef, uh, lawyer, doctor, you name it, whether you've got a lot or a little bit of education, you can work in Silicon Valley. Conversely, right. go to Aliquippa, PA, or Flint, Michigan, where they're clinging to the jobs of the past. Who they want those manufacturing jobs back, and see see where what the opportunity is. There's very little there. It's where jobs are being destroyed. It's where we right. progress the most that there's there's the most opportunity. And that's and so when Trump says I'm going to bring back coal jobs, I'm bringing back manufacturing jobs. It all it says is that he's never worked in a factory. Because anyone who's ever worked in one would tell you that's the that's last bullshit. thing you want hey, to bring back. That's bullshit. Now, listen, John, listen, that's bullshit. No, I, I, John, I, I, yeah. Excuse I, me. John, hey, hey, excuse me. Let me talk for a second, John. That's bullshit. We have seen thousands, We have seen a lot of articles of all the job, coal jobs and all these factory jobs that have came back. Are you denying that? It's been in the papers every month, every <laughs> yeah. other week. He's, well, they're not. And, he, and in order to bring them back, Trump's going to have to bail out the coal industry with your hard-earned tax dollars. I thought that you didn't want business as usual. I thought you said that Trump was going to drain the swamp. This would be the ultimate swamp creature thing to prop up industries that can't make it on their own. Is that what hey, you want to do? Him to do with you, your no, tax really, dollars. Well, why didn't hey why real quick why didn't you vote for Trump? I'm just curious. You you said you kind of like him. I'm, I'm I'm curious if you're such if you agree with what, some of what he does. Why didn't you vote for him? You knew Gary Johnson never had a chance. Uh, because I think it's important to make a statement in this country that we George want George. government to, that does very little. That's both bad. Simple. I as mean that. the libertarian. Someone's got to make that statement. I want to tell and you. Something. I want to. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, in terms of very little, it, it seems like it's been the uh, deregulatory atmosphere that's allowed the companies to prosper in the last year and a half. And so it's been, in fact, progress of doing less and government doing, in fact, less. Uh, and to a certain extent, uh, coal was, in fact, regulated out of business as opposed to uh, being beaten in the market over the years. Uh, and so I, I suspect that that allowing that uh, to come loose is uh, more of government doing less. And it's been the progress of government doing less that, in fact, has allowed for the growth for in, in job creation over the last year and allowed companies to not be able – not have to worry about OSHA coming in determining where they put their bathroom. What, what do we say then if we got rid of tariffs that would then also boost the economy? If we're lowering regulation, lowering taxes, and it's bringing back – jobs wouldn't getting rid of tariffs do the same 
Amen, amen. I like it. Mm-hmm. You want to no, make America great again, do what Trump's doing with regular deregulation, but also do it with tariffs. Tariffs are theft. They feed now, every single American to protect now, the very Now, John, John are, you, are, are you okay what, with what about? Are you okay with what he's doing with metal and aluminum? Are you okay with what he's what no? He's, what I'm not. I'm not. I'm not okay with any with any time you put up barriers to goods coming into this country. I, I don't <laughs> so like me, injuring so every let American. Just, let me just clarify real quick. So you're all about free trade completely. You want all free trade. Am I getting that correct? Yes, and and let me be clear. Let me clarify oh, here. I don't Christ. care what other countries do. I don't care what other countries do. What I care about is that I don't I don't I don't want to be robbed to protect certain industries. You gotta hold other people accountable, man. You can't be taken advantage of. We've been taken advantage of for so many years. And the fact that you deny that is is disgusting. Okay, so 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 you want to hand over more revenues to government. I don't want to give fucking money to offshore outsiders. I want to give money and I want to give jobs to the American people. But you hold these other countries accountable. Hey, John, John, you're on my show. Let me finish. Let me finish, John. (laughs) John, here's the thing. You know, Trump, and here's the big thing. Do you see how China budged with Trump? Do you see how China came back to the table? Do you see how China is getting on their knees for King Trump? I mean, nobody, and nobody, nobody is going to crush Trump. Trump is the toughest, most bulletproof, most invincible person on this earth. I mean, he's the closest thing to God. I mean, there's, he's a machine. The guy doesn't sleep. All he does is work for the American people. So I don't know where you're getting your information, but you're totally misinformed. Okay, no, that's that's fair enough. This this is your show, and so and so I will depart. I'm just saying, I don't see how you help the American people by taxing them more so that you can protect a few industries. How growing federal revenues helps the American people such that they have they get less for their paychecks. I don't buy the correlation, but it is your show, and so I thank you no, very I much. No, I want to keep you on. Very good to me to give me the no, chance. I wanna... to, no, no, honestly. I've got to get going, but I, you've been very good in allowing me to speak, and that says a lot of you. And, and God, that, I mean, I can't even, I can't even handle that guy. Rory, quick, quick question. Hey, I, I was just kind of thinking about this. What if, um, what if Trump does come around on uh, on more of a free trade type of strategy? If he wanted to get rid of tariffs, what would be? I no, mean, what would be your not, opinion on that no, if he did go that way? No, no, no. You need to hold other countries accountable, and they've been taking advantage of, advantage of us for so many years. I mean, we've been ripped off. We've been screwed. We've been – I mean, how, when does it end? When does it end? Because if we allow free trade forever, and, and all of these other countries are charging – taxes and tariffs on our imports, why the fuck shouldn't we do the same? If we're going to do free trade, shouldn't they, they do, be held to the same standard? Am I, being, am, I cra- am I crazy? No, you're not crazy at all. That's exactly the problem. Uh, relative to steel and aluminum, both the, uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese were subsidizing their steel and aluminum. They were selling it below cost to get our markets to destroy our industries. And then they, would be, and then they were charging tariffs and making it almost impossible for Americans to do business in China. So that uh, free trade, there is no free trade unless it's fair trade. 
and the fact is, is he offered he offered to do away with all tariffs if everybody would agree to do away with all tariffs and make and make it a level uh, level level playing field. Every, obviously, that fell flat. You know, they, they, they didn't David, want to do that. David, you're a defense attorney. Formal, you're a former federal prosecutor. You know, you you're a, you're a lawyer. You know, you've been you're, you've done a lot of stuff in D.C. I mean, the way this guy sounded. I mean, I mean, he. This guy said he's somewhat for Trump. This guy sounded like a leftist the way he was describing his economics. Yeah, it clearly uh, it clearly makes no sense whatsoever to say that poor only poor countries make stuff. We can only go along so far, charging each other money for pizzas. You know, we gotta we gotta make stuff. People that you you know just services. That's the uh, whole situation. Like the uh, the Canadians, uh, everybody says, well, we have a surplus with Canada. We have a surplus with Canada because they're paying lawyers to uh, uh, lobby in Washington for on behalf of Canada. You know, it, yeah. it, but if you look just at the goods, we have a trade deficit with Canada. The Canadians sell us more goods than we sell them. In which case, there's more people at work making the goods to send here. You know, it's not that them paying lawyers and advertising companies and things like that that's that that doesn't increase the wealth you increase wealth by making stuff you know it's 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 really relatively simple you don't really add value uh, to you don't create wealth by uh, just uh, giving legal opinions you know it's i i wish you did it would be nice i'd be much wealthier than i am uh, but the fact is is you don't create wealth people People have wealth when they have a new car. You know, people have wealth when they have a new phone. Uh, and if we don't make cars and if we don't make the bulk of the cars and phones here, then we're giving somebody else wealth. It's it's very it, it's real simple. I mean, and that's if I if I'm pin if I'm pinpointing it correctly, and I'm not hearing things or crazy. He was saying that we should get. I mean, we. Should be give everybody every every country everything free and not ex- expect anything in return. We should buy everything the, the we should buy everything they make and not sell them anything we make and just exactly. uh, and make money by yeah. by make and make money by giving them advice. You know exactly. So and that's, uh, all all I heard was free and I, I can't I can't deal with free because in life nothing is free. We need to. Um, I mean, these guys, you know, and the fact that this guy was so denying that the fact countries have been taking advantage of us for so many years and saying that, oh, how? How is NAFTA a bad deal? What is NAFTA? What's wrong with NAFTA? Well, dumb shit. It sent all our, it's a lot of our jobs overseas to factories and, you know, American workers lost their jobs. I mean, this guy kept going on, and I swear to God, this was like rhino leftist ideology, and this did not match up with um, proper economic principles whatsoever. No, oh, like in a way, you know, it, sounded, in a way it sounded tariffs, like communism. When they say tariffs are bad, you know, the fact is, is he mentioned about the early part of the country or somebody, but one of you, I think one of your co hosts did. And we didn't, we got along. The federal government was, in fact, financed on tariffs 
for 130 some odd years tariffs and excise taxes there was no income tax until they passed until they uh, until the 16th amendment in 1913 because the income tax was essentially unconstitutional the, uh, absent a short period during the Civil War when nobody challenged it. But absent that short period during the Civil War, the country was financed entirely on tariffs and, uh, yeah. and excise taxes. There was no income tax, in which case, as, uh, as I believe you said, or one of the, one of the, one of the co-hosts said, uh, people made decisions on whether or not they wanted to buy a product. I, frankly, I, you know, if you lower, continue lowering income taxes, and uh, and change it to excise consumption type taxes that people can make the decision whether to buy pay taxes or not. It's uh, as opposed to having the government pick your pocket right from the from the get go, taking a piece out of your every check that uh, check that you have. R- R- Josh, you want to respond? I mean, you know, not. To, I don't want to join into the firing squad here uh, and get hit like John did. But I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I agree with a lot of what he said. I, you know, I not everything, but I believe. I believe in freedom. So you know, freedom to me is the 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 freedom to choose. If I want to choose a product from Scandinavia. Or a product from New York City, I, I would like the freedom to do that. I under, now, here's the thing where I disagree. I do understand that, especially in Europe, oh, my gosh, they're screwing us over. And, and you know, but here's, here's what I'll say, though. I think, I think that Europe is being hurt because they have high tariffs on us. So, you know, I think, I think that they are being hurt because they don't have F-150 trucks to drive. Their people suffer because of these high tariffs. I don't think I don't I don't think that we should have to be necessarily concerned about you know if we can't ship products over there then bummer for them they're losing out that's the way I that's the way I see it tell, tell me why I'm wrong I guess but then if we can't ship products over there and they can ship products over here what what happens to the people that would make the products here and ship there they're not working you know, well, uh, but, well, well, here's the thing, though. If if someone in Germany, like let's say Volkswagen, if Volkswagen is making a really damn good car that's better than Ford, people should buy Volkswagen's car because it's a better vehicle. Then, guess yeah. what? If Volkswagen is making a really good vehicle, then Ford, instead of Ford, instead of Ford being able to sit on their ass, they have to they have to step up their game. It's competition. But, what if, but if the Germans don't allow the Fords into the country. Why well, should well, we see, allow? Why should we allow the Volkswagens into our country? I, I, I guess I, I do understand what you're saying there. I guess is that the, the thing I disagree with is I think that Germany is being hurt by them not allowing us to ship cars over there, not us. So I, I would you're say right, the, reason, right. the way that you, yeah, the way that you beat Germany there is by Ford, for for instance, making a really damn good car. So good that Volkswagen won't sell anything here. Yeah, well, the, but the problem—the problem is—is the problem is, is of course we're, Volkswagen continues to benefit from the sales here, and be able to utilize those resources to develop their product and not allow us to compete with them in their own in their own country. Uh, so it's a uh, it's it's. 
it's really not that difficult. And 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 Trump, just like you know, when they, when he was talking about DACA, he went back to the uh, he went back to the uh, Democrats and said, "All right, you want to do it? Let's do it, and we'll we'll make it 1.8 million instead of the 600,000 you're talking about." What did the Democrats do? Nothing. They said, "Oh no, we can't we can't do that." What he went to he went to the G7 and told those people, "All right, you want to you got problems with my tariffs? We'll do away with every tariff if you'll do away with every tariff." Even the playing field. What what response did he get? Nothing. You know, so he goes he goes from he goes for the big he goes for the big picture and it's working out in the North Korea. He said, Either you can make peace or we're gonna destroy you. <laughs> you know, I want I wanna I wanna finish I I wanna finish up on this topic, but for the most part, the way I look at it, the way I see it you know, people, these leaders aren't really going to have a choice. I mean, they're going to have to listen to Trump. I mean, so far they've, you know, abide, you know, obeyed him and uh, these world leaders and have, uh, you know, compromised and, and met, you know, for the most part, most, you know, pretty much all of them, if not, I mean, there's probably a few he hasn't met with, but he's met with majority of the world leaders and they know there's a new sheriff in town. And we all know they need us more than we need them. And, and, and people don't see that picture big enough a lot of times that they need us more than we need them. Because if you look at it, I mean, we are the most powerful country uh, in the world, yes. But do we also I – mean, I mean, he did say on the phone we are the most powerful country in the world. And he kind of tried to use that as a justification and an excuse in one of his sentences. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we're not a country that hasn't been taken advantage of for a very long time by um, because of our past weak Oh, no, we've, we've rolled over. We have, in fact, been piggy-banked to the world. There's no question yeah. about it. We've had a uh, – we've, we've got – we were blessed with a wonderful trust fund in the uh, – in the uh, continent of North America and the, in the value and the resources that we have. And frankly, for the most part, if not for all this uh, globalism that uh, is in benefits uh, for the most part, corporate, uh, corporate international corporations who control yeah. most of the other governments, we really yeah. could get along without anybody. Right. You know, we could make it, we could, we, we've got our own coal, we've got our own oil, we've got our own, uh, natural resources for the most part uh, We've got our own iron We could make our own steel Think about it We don't really need anybody And uh, so uh, for, But they've been But our uh, our leaders have in fact Rolled over in uh, the interest of globalism To uh, the other folks To let them essentially Take our jobs Take our manufacturing uh, Take our debt And then all the uh, wealth that we've accumulated over 200 and some odd years, we've been sending overseas for the last 40 or 50. It's time that stops. It's time that stops. And uh, th- and they can get on board uh, and they can cooperate. They can open up their markets or we'll, we won't buy any more of this shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, that's the way I kind of look at it. And, you know, I, I just, I, I just see, you know, I, I see so much. Um, I think I think our country is already the most powerful in the world, obviously, but I think we could be even more powerful, and that's what Trump's creating. He's creating all these opportunities that everybody, nobody thought was possible, nobody thought could, you know, could happen or, or was possible. You know what I mean? Well, we've been sold a bill of goods 
uh, right. for 40 or 50 years. That right. Not that it's not that's, that we need to do this, that there's a new world right. order. That, that's right. the, the new world order concept. That, that first comes out of uh, uh, George, uh, George Bush the first. Uh, right. You hear him say, and he, I mean, he openly spoke about the new world order. You know, yeah, and, I mean, uh, and oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. It's. It's. It's been going on for a long time. Where it. It got. It, it started. You know, post World War II, it made some sense to help rebuild these economies. But once uh, Germany got on their feet, once Japan got on their feet. There was no reason we, you know, we're we're still uh, we're still footing the bill for NATO. Uh, why are why are we footing the bill for NATO when uh, Germany's got the? They're spending like one and a half or two percent on their of their GDP on their military. We're spending six or seven percent. Why isn't Germany kicking into uh, helping their own defense? You know, the same thing with the Japanese. The same thing with the uh, same thing with the the French and even the English. Uh, it was it made sense. Post World War II, but that mindset has continued for seventy years, and it doesn't make any sense today. No, I I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I, you know, I want I want I want to shift topics a little bit. Um, sure. I, and and let you know, um, Josh. Unless you have any thoughts. No, honestly, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to move topics. I think I think we agree. For the most part, um, you know, I, I think we just agree, disagree a little bit on how you get it done, but which is, you know, which is fine. I'm not, you know, salty about it. I think, you know, the, the important thing is I don't think you guys are nuts. Um, so, like, I understand what you're saying. So, um, I think that's the important part. But yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to shift topics here. I think, I think both sides kind of threw some good punches there. I thought. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know what we were talking about before the show ended today, um, you know, is that, um, David, it's, you know, a big, a big topic right now. Um, Trump wants to, you know, obviously give marijuana um, the rights back to the states, basically let the states decide, um, you know, he doesn't want, to, you know, have it as a federal crime. He wants the states to legalize it at their own pace, obviously, which I think is the best idea. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I want to know your take on that because you're a, a, a criminal defense attorney. You're a former 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 federal prosecutor. Sorry. Um, uh, dry mouth. But, yeah, but you know this stuff. I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm sure you've looked into this. I mean, well, if, certainly if, if, real, I, real quick, I, real, real quick, David. Real quick, my take on it: if alcohol is legal and that kills people, marijuana has never killed anyone. Why shouldn't marijuana be legal? Yeah, well, I don't know where there's any constitutional authority for the federal government to regulate marijuana in the first place. So right. I would, I, I would suggest that. Uh, Allowing the state, if you were to follow the Tenth Amendment, it would be something that would fall within the purview of the states, whether they should regulate or not. So, from a constitutional standpoint, I think that would be uh, pursuing uh, something that's uh, in fidelity with the Constitution to allow the states to, uh, in fact, regulate uh, regulate this product, regulate, tax it, um, outlaw, do whatever they want within their own borders. 
as as the people uh, as the people decide. I don't have any I don't have any problem with the federal government uh, just getting out of it. My my problem is is that they should really just go to Congress and uh, get it off the schedule one uh yeah. situation that it, that it's in uh which is uh, because it's it's a bad thing to have a law and then have the government say we're not going to enforce it. I mean that's just philosophically bad and it's um it, it's 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 dishonest. It's uh, hypocritical. Uh, the the government should, you know. Of course, the president takes an oath to faithfully execute the law, right? And if the law right. says that marijuana is illegal, then they should, in fact, for enforce the law, or they should propose to Congress that, in fact, we should uh, de um, legal delegalize it or deregulate it. Let's say. Uh, and just say, you know, have the Congress state, you know, marijuana is not is not any no longer a Schedule One drug, and it's not, to, you know, they they should change the statute that criminalizes marijuana at the federal level. Um, be honest about it, and go to Congress and get the law changed, because it's, you know, when you have when you have a law in the books and the government says we're, we're as a policy we're not going to enforce it, that's illegal in itself. That that breeds illegality. That uh, is not, uh, you know, that's that's sort that's sort of to a certain extent saying, you know, we're going to uh, prosecute uh, Christian Saucier uh, for taking some submarine pictures, but we're not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton for uh, having having classified information in an unsecure location. You you can't pick and choose the law you're going to enforce, and so that's that's my opinion on it. Is they actually should. If they're not going to enforce it, they should go to Congress and say, decriminalize it, you know, pass a, pass a law. And there's, there's probably a pretty fair probability that it would be successful. They get the federal government out of the marijuana business, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I have a big take on this. I want to let my co-host Josh, you know, I know he has a, a huge, uh, a lot to say on this. So go ahead, Josh, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll take the floor. Yeah. I uh, I'll go real quick here. I uh, first off, for those who are listening, last show right at the end, I went full crazy and said that all all drugs should be legalized just to get a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a uh, reaction. But uh, I, it was I like really a cliffhanger. The it really was right at the end. It was awesome. But you know, Find I really I really time. do think that. <laughs> well, here's here's the next time. I really do think that the government should get out of specifically the you know marijuana. Um, just be you know either either get out. I I think it's a little bit disingenuous that you know tobacco is is able to be taxed and sold. You know alcohol is able to be taxed and sold, but marijuana is not. Like why not just you know if if we if we think it should be you know re- regulated as like alcohol let's regulate it like alcohol then we'll we'll have to put in new you know it'll honestly the regu- the the um uh it'll it'll create a lot of jobs if we deregulate you know marijuana because then we'll have to hire more police to keep track of people who are you know dri- uh, you know driving under the influence of it we're going to have a lot more people um, who are going to be selling it and or buying it, so people are going to have to make more money. Be, I mean, I think it's going to I think it's going to boost the economy. So I think it definitely should be a state issue, and the federal government specifically should get out of it. If some states don't want to have it, then good for them. It's you know their constitutional right to have it that way. But yeah, the federal government should absolutely get out of it. Yeah, 
Well, you know, yeah. Um, here, hold on one second. We're getting a caller. Bear, bear with us. Thank you for calling the Rory Shotter Show. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Valerie Greenfeld. Oh, hi, Valerie. Valerie is a uh, an international security expert. She's an Islamic historian, best-selling author, and she's uh, working in D.C. currently. How are you, Valerie? Good to have you on. I'm good. Um, I'm good. I just we we were just talking about. Base, oh, go ahead. What were you just saying? You were just what? No, I was just. I just started, so I didn't hear what you were speaking about before. We're basically at this point. We're talking about the legalization of drugs, um, marijuana mm-hmm. in particular. Uh, Trump wants mm-hmm. to give it back to the state, give it back to the states for them to decide. Which I mean, I I agree with, just because I I don't think the federal and and Josh, you know, like you said, Josh, I don't think the federal government should get involved with marijuana, especially because if you have alcohol that's killing all of these people every year with DUIs or alcohol poisoning or, I mean, there's so many different variable circumstances that alcohol kills people, but, um, you know, cancer. um, But if you look at all these variables and then you look at marijuana, alcohol is, the only reason alcohol is legal, and we we all know this, is because the government knows how to profit off of it. The the federal, they make so much money. Imagine they're trying to find a way, and believe me, I know they're trying to study how they can profit off of marijuana. I don't think they have found a way. Just like uh, David, you said a second ago, you know, um, you know, you're you're a, uh, a criminal defense attorney and a, and a former federal prosecutor. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Because we we know alcohol is all about the money for the government. I mean, that's why it's legal. Well, it, it, well, it, it's legal because you couldn't make it illegal because. Uh, you know, of course, they did. They did try it. There was prohibition, and nobody obeyed the law. Uh, and all, all the, all, all making alcohol illegal gave us was organized crime and a federal police force. You know, if not for the effort to make, a, if not for prohibition, we probably wouldn't have an FBI. We probably wouldn't have the. the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. We wouldn't have the National Police Force, and we wouldn't have had organized crime. Organized crime got together for the purpose of selling alcohol. And so government found out that you could, in fact, not regulate alcohol, and so finally they gave up. And uh, right. in terms of, in terms of uh, marijuana, that seems to be what's finally happening there as well, that they're fine, that they, they've figured out that the criminal justice, the problem is, is you got to switch the profit motive for the government because they've been profiting from the criminal justice system. There's a criminal, there's a, there's a, there's an incarceration industrial complex that uh, yeah. benefits, you know, everybody lobbies to have a prison near them. Uh, everybody lobbies to have a, you know, with low-level drug offenders who aren't any danger to the community, but it creates uh, some jobs. And those are the kind of, those are the service jobs that the guy, uh, when we were talking about before, gets to replace uh, manufacturing jobs, right? We've, so we, we, instead of having people making steel, we have prison guards. Um, at any rate, that's uh, that's back on the old topic. But the fact is, is uh, no, there's a model to uh, for the government to tax marijuana and, uh, and progress, and that's the alcohol model. It'll uh, and it'll find its way through. I actually, strangely enough, before I was a lawyer, I 
I sold beer for uh, a good portion of my life. My family was, we were beer wholesalers in Chicago for like six years. And so I'm well familiar with all the taxes and the, and the situation, you know, I had the, the beer, you know, the beer in a case of beer actually only cost 50 cents in a whole case. By the time you get to the the packaging and the taxes, uh, you know, the taxes are incredible on a case of beer. Now, are you now are you from Chicago then, born and raised? Yes, yes. Very cool, very awesome. Yeah, my uh, my that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Chicago. I have my mother went to college there. I don't I don't know if you're off topic real quick. My mom went to college at a, a an all woman school in Lake Forest. It's not there anymore, but it was called Barrett College. You ever hear of it? Yes, I did. Yes, I have. Okay, yeah, I, years I, ago, I, many years ago. Well, for me, um, many, many years ago, my grandfather started selling beer in 1933. At least that's the year they put on it, because we put on yes. the company, because that's when it became legal. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, here, here's what, you know, I want, real quick, and then, Valerie, I want to get your opinion as well about this whole legalization of drug thing. But, Josh... Okay. I find it hilar I find it hilarious, Josh, and I want you to please tell the audience again what your thoughts are on the legalization of drugs. How so how you feel about it? What, what do you want to do? <laughs> okay, let me. I'll uh, I'll lay it out a little bit more uh, intelligently than uh, than last night's uh, closing remarks. <laughs> um, here's the way I say it. Here's the way I think about it. The 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 drug industry right now is not being stopped by the government. The rules and regulations they have currently to stop people from selling drugs are not working. So what you do is you, you do what you did in prohibition. You legalize everything and let the free market, so to speak, work itself out. As long as you're shooting up in your own damn home, then that's the way, you know, that's the, you know, like for instance, nobody has a problem with someone getting drunk in their own home as long as you don't go beat your wife. You know, it's, it's you know it's this, in in my mind it's the same type of deal. So you know you you do you do your you know you smoke your meth in your own home and you don't you don't hurt me as as long as you do it outside and you you know if you're you know under the influence or you know you do it out there then uh, you know what the worst part about this take is it's just hilarious because you know I'm I'm telling people to go shoot you know shoot up freaking heroin but. I, uh, you know, that's, I don't know. It's my far libertarian. It's, that's, that's why I go really libertarian and crazy. I don't know why, but I just, no one's given me a good argument on, you know, since the government's not stopping me, why freaking, you know, illegalize everything. Actually, well, Josh, there's a, there's a, there's something to be said for that. You know, we have a lot. He does have a good point. Right? I was about to say, but I'll let you go first, David. Thank you. There's a, that we have, we do in fact have the largest, uh, popul- prison population of any country in the world, over 2.2 million people. And about 65 or 70% of those folks are low-level drug offenders. And, it, and can you imagine? You know got we, we, pardon me? So we, talking, we would be much... Somebody was in the background. Who's talking? Who asked the question? Uh, I don't know. Okay, well, at any rate, you know, yeah. At any rate, if, if in fact we were to legalize that, 
legalize these things that Josh is saying and treat them as not a criminal justice issue, but rather as a public health issue, the country would be much, much better off. People wouldn't have their lives ruined by being convicted felons. They'd be able to get jobs. They'd be able to do other things. Their lives wouldn't be wouldn't be horrible. And of course, prisons themselves are just breeding grounds. They're like crime universities. Uh, when those folks get together, they just teach the other guys how, how to commit other kinds of crime. Uh, and so, the whole uh, there's there's many arguments in favor of Josh's position. Uh, and I would suggest that these things are really more a public health problem than right. a criminal justice problem. Right. See, look, and I'm Agreed. not crazy. <laughs> go ahead, Gianni. You have a t- no, actually, Valerie, you go ahead, and I want to get Gianni's take on it. Sure. So I'm actually more of a libertarian on this subject. I think that um, it's up to the individual to make up their own mind as long as they're not hurting somebody else, like somebody else was just saying, you know, if you're in your own home and you're not hurting someone else and you're not going to get behind a car, you know, or, um, you know, you're not in public where something, somebody else could be hurt, then I don't have a problem with it. And I also agree that it, 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 could, it should go to the state um, to start with anyway and just see, you know, how that works. Um, I mean, look at Colorado. There needs to be more, you know. The They're state. making a I'm fortune, and I'm from I'm from Washington. I I was born and raised in Seattle, and you, we all know how liberal that city is, Seattle. But thankfully, I was born in a conservative family. But um, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Valerie. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, so I mean, I think that you know, the, like whoever said that they're making a fortune, and the state is is making a fortune, and it's also the state has risen in crime. Um, so I think there, the state should make more regulations because they, you know, this is a new kind of a trial idea, but there are some things that can't be real, you know, they're not regulating it well enough. So, pe- you know, for children, they have edibles and that kind of stuff. And if a child sees right. a cookie on the floor or something, you know, they yeah. don't know. So um, they, I think statewide they need to, they need to regulate a little bit better so that pe- consumers know what they're, what they're buying. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I agree that it should be kind of an individual thing. Well said, well said. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I agree with the guest that, uh, you know, it's more of a, for me, it's more of a public health issue rather than a criminal issue. Like, I think people who have, you know, drug, yeah, like drug problems and things in that nature, I, I don't think they should be criminalized. I believe that they should be you know, under a program or something or giving like uh, something to help them to get out of that issue that they're having or addiction that they're having. However, the whole legalizing everything, you know, I, I, I agree with marijuana, you know, you can legalize marijuana. I agree with that. But as far Absolutely. as all drugs, like that, that kind of goes against <laughs> what Trump is trying to do with the whole immigration thing. Like, the whole point like of people, having a wall people is like, in hey, their house court. smoking meth all day, shooting up heroin, just having a good time. It's all legal. They're all partying, all celebrating. Hell yeah, guys! We don't got to worry about the cops anymore. <laughs> well, go ahead, John. I mean, hey, <laughs> yeah, like, but like, like I was saying, I can just imagine the, the scene. I'm sorry, it's just out of a comedy movie. I'm so sorry. But yeah, like I, I think it defeats the purpose of Trump's, you know, wall. He, the whole point of him saying is they're bringing in drugs, 
They're bringing in crime. They're bringing and in that crime. Is the Yes. Yeah, they're bringing in crime. But the, but the, but the crime that they're dealing with is because... And some, I assume, are good people. <laughs> Here's... Yeah. Well, here, let me, let me, me, let me say this. I was going to finish real tell quick. Me if I'm, I was going to finish real quick. Go ahead, Gianni. Yeah, yeah, I was going to finish. So, I, I see what people are saying, because like, I'm more of a libertarian on a lot of issues, but it's just that issue. I just think that doing that creates anarchy. Total anarchy. Right. You just legalize everything. Nobody's afraid of anything. You just don't do it. <laughs> Can you imagine the streets? I mean, of course, people terrorizing the streets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. Listen, yeah, but I see, know no, no, making you, it illegal. We're, we're, making it illegal is not going to stop them from doing it. Of course, that's not even a question. What I'm saying is, it's going to create, uh, you know. Things that can happen or consequences for selling this stuff or consequences for taking advantage, and that's the whole point. It's like you can make it legal. Oh, you can go steal. Go ahead and steal. Why are people not going to stores and stealing? Because they know that there's a consequence. It's not going to stop people from stealing, but it's about the consequences of doing it, which is where I but split what, on the libertarian. Can you, ima- can you imagine? Can you imagine if um, you know they actually did legalize all drugs, meth, heroin, everything? You know, you just go down the street one day, hey, man, uh, you know where I can buy meth or heroin? Oh, yeah, man, just right at the store, right down there. Oh, okay, cool, man. I mean, can you imagine if society comes to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus and Christ. as long as and there, there are, in fact, laws in place if, in fact, they do hurt somebody. You know, right. so, uh, that, you know, and that's what you criminalize is if, in fact, you hurt somebody else. Uh, and if you if you don't, then there's somebody you got a willing buyer and a willing seller, and it doesn't impact uh, somebody else negatively, then that's it. If uh, if 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 unfortunately you leave your uh, marijuana candy on the floor and your kid gets it, you can be uh, you can be prosecuted for child abuse. You know, there's there's yeah. there's answers in place for all of that. There's behavior you, it, that has to be. Responsible, and if somebody becomes irresponsible as a result of these things, and irresponsible has to do with impinging on somebody else's freedom, then uh, then there's consequences for that. And, and, and tell me, it's not that complex. Go ahead. I mean, tell tell me if I'm crazy, uh, Gianni. I, I don't know if you would if uh, if you would maybe change your your stance on this, but I, I don't know if this is something you would agree with, but. If you legalize the drugs and hypothetically, and I know it's kind of a funny thing to think of, but if I can go buy that <laughs> at my local marathon gas station, um, they can't. I mean, it's going to kind of eliminate the whole drug tra- trafficking from Mexico because we're going to be able to buy it from, you know, we don't want to go buy it from the sketchy ass oh, dude true. That's from Mexico. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, you that's, know. That's why. That's, why that's actually a good point. Exist. I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Yeah. This is well, precisely like, I mean, why I think, it, I think it could, yeah, you know. Let's and let's hey, and let's on on top of that, let's take all the the tax money we got and let's go build that wall uh, with the our tax money. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. the money? The you can, you can, can you imagine the, the red finance the wall with the cocaine taxes? Right, exactly. Can you imagine yeah. the money that would flow in if if all the drugs were legalized? I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, you know. I, I don't. I mean, you you never you never say never, obviously, but I would find it very hard to believe at any point in time that all drugs will become legal. Um, 
with that being said, especially when I was Jeff Sessions in there. Exactly, and you know Trump is going against Jeff, against Jeff Sessions with uh, giving marijuana basically marijuana. back to the state. Yeah, so, I agree with that. Yeah, and, and you know Trump knows it's the right thing to do to give it back to the states because you know what it, it's it's really a business opportunity. There's a lot there's a lot that can be gained from it. It's not really hurting anybody. I mean, you know, people go out and get drunk, and you know. And alcohol causes death. There's no situation where marijuana has ever caused death. Um, but, you know, it, it makes sense. It all makes sense. The legalization of drugs has been a huge topic for a long time. Um, it's important that I brought, that we bring it to light, you know, talk about it, because, I mean, it, it's an issue in this country, and people get busted for the smallest things. Well, yeah, most and, of and the Roy, uh, I think most of most most of the founding fathers were extraordinarily brilliant, and they did snuff all the time, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Powder, <laughs> snow, sniffle, sniffle. Yeah, they were they were snorting all the time, man. Sniffle, sniffle. Socially acceptable. Yeah, it was socially acceptable. Uh, and uh, so, for a hundred and some odd years, there were no illegal drugs, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> right. If we could, we could, we could, we could get along, and you can regulate it so that you know people don't hurt anybody. There's, 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 there's a model for it. It exists. But, but here, and the you're, you're, gangs you're, exist. Go ahead. And but you're, I mean, you're a criminal. Good... You're real quick, David. You're a criminal defense attorney. You're a prosecutor. You know, a former, a former federal prosecutor, and you know this stuff. Do you think that, um, you know, the legalization of um. Yeah, we, we we oh oh okay yeah you were saying you know at one point everything was was legal. Why do you think the main reason they, the, the the and I and I believe it is, but do you think the main reason a lot of these drugs are illegal is because the government can't make money off of them, or they can't they can't regulate? No, them I believe uh, no. I believe there's big pharmaceutical companies that grew them. They didn't want competition. Uh, in certain instances, it, 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 there's politics and everything, and it's big, uh, big farm, pharma, big pharmaceutical. But, but if you look at a lot of actually, the pharmaceuticals, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same of them are, are street drugs. So I mean, they are. It's just more of a fancy way of saying uh, some of them. Um, but I mean, you, hey, that's, people, that's people don't need people don't need chemo when they're hiked up on meth. They don't even know they got cancer. I mean, like, well, the I pharmaceuticals can, can got to you know. Yeah, the morphine did nothing for my kidney stones, big guys. Um, oh, jeez. It, it just didn't. <laughs> the morphine I can imagine. I've had people that have had to go through that. That is, I can only imagine. That is terrible pain. Oh, yeah, and they were giving me morphine, and it was not, it didn't do the trick. Give me the fentanyl. Aye, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, but you know, but be that as it may. R- right, right. I said, um, go ahead. Well, uh, just uh, I don't know. I we, we talked about talking from about ten to eleven. It's a little after eleven, my friends. Uh, or, All right, Congress, a little after David. 11. I want to keep you on, David. If possible, I want to keep you on for a little bit. I want to talk about a few things. Um, I want to get to North Korea real quick. Um, big news, uh, the Trump, the Trump and Kim summit made, made the front page 
of the paper in North Korea, and the headline was uh, that, you know, they, like, like peace, uh, they were going to do, you know, agree on mutual terms, and it was all positive press. And as we all know, um, the paper over in that country is controlled um, by the, you know, by Kim Jong-un and by the supreme power over there. Um, right. But, you know, this is, such, this is such leading in the right direction. This is amazing. And, you know, uh, President Trump is promising, you know, Kim Jong-un a, a great economic future. And I think Kim sees that. I mean, what are your thoughts? You've been paying close, close attention. I think uh, I think that's right. I think the video that they showed them of building condos on the beaches in North Korea is going to had some impact. I think uh, one of the one of the real good takeaways was uh, Kim being impressed with uh, Trump's limousine going. I, you could see him wanting to kick the tires. Uh, he was just he was just amazed, you know, and being exposed to because uh, Switzerland isn't that fancy a place, you know, compared to Singapore. Uh, right. And I and you know what he's only 34 years old, and people uh, people are talking about the, what's happened with the generations past and this and that. I think he's he, he knows he's got another 30 years, and he's got to let he, he's got to do something to loosen up and improve the lives of the lives of his people. But beyond all that, it wouldn't have happened if they didn't think Trump was a little nuts, and he might just launch a, launch a military strike. You know, they, I really think, I think it's important that people think he's a little crazy. <laughs> it's very, very useful. That uh, goes back to some Machiavelli stuff that uh, it's much better to be feared than to be respected. Uh, and so I think that's why they're there. And, uh, and, of course, the Chinese were a great deal of help. And I think the Chinese don't want uh, a nuclear North Korea because uh, it scares the hell out of the Chinese. Because obviously, uh, if they think Kim's a little nuts, it's it's go, it's all going in the right direction. There's no question about it. It's going in the right direction, and uh, the fact is, is I, one of the things that they did have on headlined in the North Korean papers had to do with the uh, suspension of the joint military exercises of the United States and South Korea. They they acted like that was a, a big uh, big concession, but we don't have to practice every year. Uh, to make uh, sure our military knows what they're doing, and so uh, Trump gave him a little uh, little victory in uh, in, a, in a in a meaningless situation on that. But I think we're, I, you know we're we're going in a we're going in a terrific direction with uh, with North Korea. It's a shame that uh, the uh, that the the entire country isn't in support of giving peace a chance. Uh, right. I can't believe the. Uh, I can't believe the, the pundits that have gone, well, he should have done this. And it's too bad that he said nice things about this murderous dictator and everything like that. Of course, they didn't say anything about the mullahs in Iran, giving them uh, $150 billion. Uh, and uh, so it's just, it's, just, it's just unfortunate that this should be a grand time. The tradition of uh, the country was in fact that politics stopped at the water's edge, that when it, that we would present a united front to the world, and unfortunately that tradition is gone now too. Yeah, I, I you know, and and, and here, here's the thing, I it was it was very, it was beyond impressive. It was very impressive what went on, um, you know, with the whole summit. I mean, it, it's 
one of the most iconic and historic historic moments in history. I, I know you have to run shortly, um, and I do want to I do want to ask you something. You, you've been on the show over an hour. We'd love to have you on. Um, I do want to ask him before you go though. Um, Hillary Clinton's the uh, IG report is supposed to come out tomorrow. You're uh you know you're a, a criminal defense attorney. You're a, a former federal prosecutor. What are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, you have to remember that the IG uh, is the Department of Justice uh, Inspector General and has limited abilities, uh, limited jurisdiction, if you will, to just report on, investigate conduct within the Department of Justice, of which the FBI is a subset. So there won't be anything in there directly on uh, on Clinton herself, because, of course, she's not part of the Department of Justice. But there will be uh, reports on uh, how Comey handled that investigation, how McCabe handled that investigation. Certainly, I expect we'll uh, we'll see more about Strzok and Page. And right. there's, uh, I would like to, I would like to believe that there will, in fact, be uh, criminal referrals as a result of uh, these activities. Comey certainly uh, uh, lied to Congress on uh, on several occasions, and he certainly. Uh, Disseminated classified material uh, improperly, and you know somebody. I was doing a I was doing a different show, and somebody was asking, "Well, is it enough that we expose this, or does somebody need to be prosecuted?" And the fact is, is prosecutions serve a couple of purposes. One of which, of course, is to punish the wrongdoer, but the other one, and it's more important in this situation than perhaps any other, and that is to deter such wrongdoing in the future. Because there's no reason to believe that if we see the wrongdoing on behalf of the top uh, top members of the FBI and including the uh, Attorney General, including Loretta Lynch, uh, yeah. who was uh, a, a participant in this activity, uh, if you don't see prosecutions in this situation, it will not deter future people to whom we entrust this power. Because they will say, well, everybody knew that these people did this stuff, that they broke the law, and nothing happened to them. So we're not at risk. We can uh, we can do this, and if we get caught, we're not in trouble. I think the deterrence factor of and bringing our country back to where we're in control of the government, that we don't have these things weaponized, uh, we're going to see revelations of what amounts to criminal activity in the IG's report. The IG has no criminal prosecution authority. All they can do is, in fact, refer it to the Justice Department. There's some reason to believe that uh, the uh, U.S. Attorney from Utah, Mr. Huber, uh, might very well take such referrals, so they would refer such such things outside of Maine Justice in, uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, which is probably what should happen. And uh, But I think it's very, very important that out of uh, what we, we see in the IG report, that criminal prosecutions of uh, high-level uh, individuals uh, take place. If they don't, we have, the IG will have been spinning his wheels, and hopefully the IG report will give Sessions the cover to have some balls. Now, what are your thoughts in terms of who do you think is going to be indicted? Who do you think is going to, who do you think is going to be charged? Well, I don't know about going to be. You know, uh, this is this is this is problematic uh, because, of course, up to now the Justice Department has been uh, pretty feckless in going after 
the uh, people that have weaponized that have misused uh, misused the FISA court. Uh, uh, Rosenstein, Rosenstein among them. He signed he signed off on these uh, on these FISA applications that included uh, false and misleading information that should not have gone to the. Uh, which, by the way, the FISA uh, situation. There's a separate IG investigation going on. Uh, with that, and it will not be covered by the reports that we see tomorrow. Uh, so there's a separate there's a separate FISA a special investigation that the IG is doing on uh, misuse of uh, the uh, uh, foreign intelligence uh, surveillance courts, uh, and so that's a, that's a separate report, and that investigation is underway. So you won't see anything about that tomorrow, uh, but uh, th- there should be no reason that uh, you know. Of course, the uh, uh, Senate uh, subcommittee has made several criminal referrals, and uh, hopefully you'll see the information in the IG report that will spur uh, spur the uh, Justice Department to follow up. And, and it's, it's a benefit from a pol- political standpoint that Horowitz, the uh, inspector general, is uh, an Obama appointee, and i.e. a Democrat, and that will, in fact, give uh, Sessions the uh, political cover to uh, go ahead and uh, go after uh, people like Comey and McCabe. Wow, well said. Well said, sir. Thank you. And then real, you know, real quick before you go, last thing, and then, and then I want you to promote all your, your products and what you have going on. I know you got some big stuff going on that you're working on. But real quick, you know, California today um, – it was released. There was a report that they okayed uh, the, the, to dividing it into different states for the November ballot. First of all, I know that will never get passed because even if it passes in California, it still has to go through other courts, and there's no way in hell the Supreme Court would ever approve that. Am I correct? Supreme Court has nothing to say about it. Um, it, the, it, it, and of course, the ballot uh, ballot initiative in California is strictly advisory. But if in fact it were to pass, then the uh, the legal uh, legal situation that's required is to have the California legislature uh, make such a proposal to the uh, United States Congress, and the United States Congress has the final say on whether to admit any new states to the union. Uh, none of that involves the – none of that includes the involvement of any court, any place. Oh. It's, stri- so, it's strictly, the, uh, strictly the legislatures. And California can, uh, can propose and uh, determine if they want to divide themselves. Uh, of course, uh, during the Civil War, West Virginia seceded from Virginia – uh, for starters, and and actually, yeah. the still known fact is that Texas has the has a right by treaty to divide itself into five states if it likes. Uh, <laughs> and it would be great to have ten Texas senators, wouldn't it? it? It would. But here's the thing: when you look at California as the fifth largest economy in the world, don't you think that yeah. they're not going to approve dividing it? I mean, don't you think when it comes down to it, it's never going to happen? It's not going to – well, the, the people may vote for it, but the folks in Sacramento aren't going to do it because exactly. all, that, all, that, all that means is the people in Sacramento are divvying up power with uh, other power structures around what would be the new, uh, 
their new neighboring states. So the so, so, folks, as a political matter, they're not going to do it in Sacramento. So it's fair to say it's a pipe dream. Oh yeah, it's a it's 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 a trem- yeah it's a big big old pipe dream, you know. Uh, okay. It's just it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Sacramento has to propose constitutionally. Sacramento would have to propose it to the United States Congress. The United States Congress would then have to approve it and admit these new uh, new states to the uh, to the union. Yeah, it would be fantastic as far as I'm concerned because it largely uh, they. You know, largely the proposal would uh, would indicate that you'd wind up with uh, with Republicans in California uh, being of consequence because they'd have and then uh, divide and get, let the let the let the liberals and let the illegals stay in their own part of California. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They could just stay there, you know, and uh, and away and away they go. You know, so they could just have their they have their business, and Orange County could be its own state. You know, which would be uh, which would be fine, and that would give us two more senators and uh, uh, a couple extra couple extra votes in the electoral college. You know, that's that's, and, and that's why it's not going to happen. And, and you're you know, and, and when you bring up Orange County, Orange County, you're absolutely right in the terms of the conservative. It's very conservative. I got a, I got family that live in Orange County, and um, yeah, it's a very uh, conservative. So when people, I, I, I you know, people say California. Uh, you know, the state is, you know, liberal, but there's a lot of places in California, and I know you know this, that are very conservative, certain areas, but you also got a lot of those places that are liberal as well. So, I mean, you know, it, it is sort of a mixture, but um, I think liberalism uh, kind of has the advantage in California. Well, we'll see. I, uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting with John Cox. Uh, who is yeah. in fact uh, running? Uh, what, what do you, how do you feel about him? Please, please, please tell me how you like if you like him or not. Yeah, John Cox is an old Chicago guy. Uh, there's, uh, his family is longtime uh, potato chip uh, maker, uh, Jay's Potato Chip, uh, here, in, uh, here in Chicago. He moved out to California about 12 years ago or so. And last summer, I was uh, I was lucky. I was doing a doing a TV show out in Cal- out in LA, and I. At the, uh, I was on the same same show with uh, with John, and we got to visit and talk about Chicago. And uh, he's got some he's got some great ideas. And I don't know that uh, of course we've seen a lot of uh, resistance to the resistance in California. There's been a lot of uh, local uh, local jurisdictions indicating that they're not going to obey the uh, California sanctuary city laws. Uh, so. You know, and if, and there's a huge issue where California just imposed a twelve cent uh, twelve cent a gallon gasoline tax. Newsom was part of the administration that did that. There's uh, oh, that there's some disaster. possibilities. Yeah, there's 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 some possibilities that uh, uh, Cox Cox could be uh, could be surprising. Uh, he's a he's a business guy. He's a he he took a potato chip company and then uh, wound up. Uh, Become an investment banker and uh, did very very well. He bankrolled his his, his personal campaign. Uh, he doesn't have the uh, he does he doesn't have the bombast or the uh, news uh, media savvy of uh, of a Donald Trump, uh, but right. he certainly has the uh, he certainly has the business skills. So yeah. uh, if he can uh, if he can translate those business skills to people who are in the state with the highest poverty rate in the country. 
The yeah. gasoline is approaching $5 a gallon. Uh, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and the homeless, we talked about out of California, um, Orange County, of which, of course, Anaheim is a part and around Disneyland. When you're driving down the street in Anaheim, you have this huge homeless uh, homeless kind of ghetto of people living in tents on the street on the way to uh, Angels Park in between Angels Park and Disneyland. There's a lot of things that are going poorly there that a lot of people I don't I don't know that Cox doesn't have it, that they're underestimating the chances Cox has. The all he's got to do is go around going gas tax, gas tax. Yep, and that's what I would. I talked about that on my show the other a few episodes ago. I, you know, I was saying just the gas tax alone could get a guy like you know John Cox elected. I mean, the I, I, it's California. You know, I think a lot of them are starting to see the light, and uh, you make a really good point. Um, and and this, this this election cycle is very important. It's it's extremely important. And, uh, you know, there's um, a lot on the table. Well, Cox, Cox being on the ballot is, uh, is, a, is a net plus for, uh, for the House of Representatives, too. Because without, the, without Cox, uh, you, the turnout might very well have been depressed. But with Cox, uh, the uh, conservative, the GOP turnout will certainly be uh, higher and competitive in all the, uh, all the places where it should be. And that will yeah. do a lot that will go a long way toward holding the House of Representatives. So John Cox actually has an important national impact, regardless of the uh, outcome of the governor's race in California. But I frankly think he's got a chance, knowing what I know about California and knowing uh, and knowing John Cox. Uh, right. I, you know. So, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But you know what, I, Corey, I I'm going to need to come back because what I want to talk about is the 4th of July coming up and how people don't appreciate the Declaration of Independence, don't understand the Declaration of Independence, and don't uh, don't get the fact that everybody, all these people, everybody goes around saying they support the Constitution. I've, in fact, taken an oath to support the Constitution eight times in my life in in different uh, different scenarios. But the truth is, is nobody goes out and dies so that the president can serve four years or that the House of Representatives has to start tax bills, or that the Supreme Court has original jurisdiction between, uh, in lawsuits between the states. They go out and die because we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed right. by their creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these rights are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, right. They die for the Declaration of Independence. People don't understand that. And they don't know why we have the 4th of July anymore. And I would love to come back and talk about my book, Creating the Declaration of Independence, that talks about yeah. how Thomas Jefferson came to, came to write the Declaration and the things that went into it, the fact that these guys were actually in danger of having their heads cut off at the time that he wrote right. the Declaration. And I think it would be worthwhile if we just had a uh, half hour or so just on that subject in, in the run-up. We can dedicate it. Absolutely. You we know? can make it. You know, let's have you on next week, and we can make a whole half hour dedicated to uh, the, uh, that. I think that's. I think that's worthwhile. You'll you'll perform a good educational function, and uh, people will understand why there's fireworks and uh, and and and. 
barbecues and a, and a day off. It's not just for the hell of it. It's it's because Absolutely. these, these and, and guys was, created something important. Absolutely, and it was a pleasure having you on, as always. Um, and I, please, if you have any announcements where people can find you, find your products, read about you, get your work. Sure. Um, you're a very popular guy. I got my web. There's my website, which is just stokas.com, S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S.com. It's got about 180 articles about the uh, Constitution and uh, Declaration of Independence, our founding documents, explaining them to a lot of folks. I have two books. Uh, one is called Constitutional Soundbites, which has got 150 FAQs about the founding documents. And the other one that I want to talk about in detail when I come back is Creating the Declaration of Independence, which gives uh, all, both of which are available on Amazon. And folks can follow me uh, on Twitter at Shestokas, S-H-E-S-T-O-K-A-S. And you had over 100,000 followers. You're a popular guy. Yeah, there's a, last, last time I looked, it was 118, but that's okay, Roy. <laughs> well, I said over 100,000, so you're doing, doing really well, man. Very, very, very good. And um, we'll have you on. We'll have you back on next week. Always a pleasure. Um, we love your insight. We love your knowledge. Um, and uh, it's, uh, have a great night, man. And we will uh, we'll talk to you. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. All right. God bless. All right. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Wow. So. Boy, he was really good. He was, wasn't he? He was fantastic. I mean, he he really. I think I I I can listen to him all day long. Wow, he's he's insightful. Yeah, he's been on, uh, he's been on like two other times. (laughs) Very smart guy, very nice guy, knows a lot, very, um, yeah, very talented. Uh, Valerie, are you still there? I'm still here. Okay, okay. So you're Ella. Excellent. What? How, how did? Uh, what did you think? Oh, I thought he was brilliant. And I also yeah, he, I agree. You know, it's time to come back to the basics. There's so many, right. you know, high school and college kids that don't know anything about the beginning of our country and what our laws are and why we have a constitution and what does the Bill of Rights say and all of these things that have kind of gone by the wayside. And, um, you know, if you don't know the history, it's, uh, it's hard to have an opinion on something that's going on right now if you don't really have a background. Very true. Very true. Um, Gianni, I know you were listening to the conversation. He, uh, our special guest just uh, took off, but uh, what, what, what are your thoughts, buddy? Gianni just dropped again. He his call keeps dropping. I don't know. Oh, Gianni. Uh, but we uh, we do have a few minutes left. I really want to get into something that's bothering me. I like to vent a little bit sometimes. Um, let's really get into this. I, I'm going to make a few announcements first, real quick. Actually, we got about seven minutes. So we got some time. Um, real, real quick. So, President Trump, um, the Norwegian. Um, the nor the the Norwegian um um the people the people of the Norwegian um politicians the political system over there wants Trump uh, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. So we all, we already have another country asking Trump to have it. We have so many people. He definitely deserves it. Um, the and even sports betting uh, sites 
are taking are are like giving great odds uh, of him winning uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, and people can now bet on it. So that is very, very cool, um, and I'm very excited for that because um, he's going to win it. And people that bet money on it, they're going to be very happy they bet money on it. Um, here, here's a big thing though. That before before we take off, we have we have about five six minutes, but I really want to talk about feminism and how pissed off I am and how. I think it's the biggest disgrace, the most disgusting, smelly, dirty, grossest <laughs> culture you can think of because, number one, it's entitlement. Number two, it's a jaded ideology. It's ignorance. It's pure. Um, it's one-sided. Anti-men, um, you know, it, 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 they want to be the superior figure, females, and they think they can treat men however they want, and men have to respect them regardless. They basically want to tr- uh, take men and, and turn them into soy boys, which is, uh, you know, who wants a fucking, who wants wimpy men? I mean, come on. Men need, men need to be macho. Men need to be uh, dominant. Men, you know, I'm sick of seeing all these soy boys that keep coming out. Like, it, it's a problem. Feminism, and you got all these girlfriends and wives bossing their husbands and boyfriends around and it's just like what the fuck yeah I would I would say first of all we have to divide what true feminism is because of, because let's me, face it's like, it let's face it real quick it's not about women's rights it's about women trying to take over men that's, that's simply yeah. what it's about yeah I was Go I was gonna say yeah, I was going to say classical feminism is totally different. They actually fought for something like the right yeah. to vote and things of that nature. Now, right. this is not even feminism. This is just plain mental health. That's what I call it. You know, they're walking yeah. around with vaginas in their head. They're walking around. <laughs> they're walking around and say, oh, I'm not going to shave my armpits. Like, that's ridiculous. I want women's rights. I want equality. I, bitch, you live in America. Yeah. Sorry for my language, but they want equality. They want rights. What rights don't they have? Most, a lot of women make more money than men, and you don't see the feminists talking about that. They only, they only complain about what they don't have, and they only complain about stuff that's irrational. There is no every, – everything is equality when you're in America. You live in the greatest country on earth. You have all the freedom in the world. You don't live in the Middle East. Why are you crying? So I have, uh, I have go, go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I want you, please, please. So I view the whole feminism thing. It's an insult to women because that's yep. saying that we need special rights because we can't right. do it ourselves. Yep. You know, if we can't be successful, then they have to give us a handicap. Um, I also view the same way with regard to minority status, like in college entrance. These, you know, you have, the spaces have to be saved for specific groups minority, of minorities. I think that's also an insult to them, um, whoever yeah. the minority is, because they can do yeah. it on their own. Let them, let them be, you know, be proud of who they are and let them get in and, and not have to right. feel like somebody's helping them out. It's, 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 it's right. insulting. It's, yeah, it's the same kind of thing when we have about a minute and a half left. No, actually, we have, we have about two minutes left, but it's the same kind of thing when people try to say, 
African-American, Latino-American, whatever American. Why can't you just say you're American? You're American. Everybody's American that was born born here. Like, don't – like, people put themselves in boxes, which I think is ridiculous. But, Josh, go ahead. I want you to respond real quick. Got about a minute and a half left. You know, it's – Yep, I'll go real, real quick. You know, the feminist movement will take things that are meant for good and turn them bad. My, my first thing is the No Shave November. No Shave November was started because <laughs> to bring awareness for prostate cancer. And you know what the feminist movement did? Oh, men don't have to shave? Well, we're not going to shave our legs because that's oh, stupid. It's like <sighs> you have a whole month where the NFL sucks up to breast cancer. Were they not shaving other things about, either? But then – Exactly. More men die of prostate cancer, but you never hear about the damn thing because no one cares about men anymore. (laughs) No, but were the women not, I mean, the women weren't shaving their legs. Did they say what other parts they weren't shaving as well? (laughs) uh, You know, uh, PG show. uh... (laughs) Well, hey, you can say whatever you want. There's no filter on this show, but we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We are out of time, though. I do, if anybody wants to give plugs, Gianni, my co-host, go ahead first where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at, on my Facebook, Gianni dash, no, Gianni Rodriguez dash Paris with a Z. Gianni Rodriguez dash Paris. Double R. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, Valerie, go ahead. So my book can be found at um, backyardjihad.com. I can be uh, found at um, and that's where my blog is as well. You can go to backyardjihad.com. Perfect. And Josh, go ahead. Yeah, just go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at J O S H H L A V A T Y. Excellent. And 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 everybody, we and Valerie, Josh, Gianni, we'll all, we will all be back on tomorrow night. We will have a huge show. There's some stuff I did not get to today that I will get to tomorrow. Um, I want to thank all of my audience. I want to thank my co-hosts. I want to thank all my special guests. Uh, it's been a great show. Um, please visit my store, thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can also visit rorysodder.tv. And also, my new news media website, the Next Gen USA, uh, will be coming out within a week um, it, it is a little bit delayed because I'm, I'm working on it. I'm putting a lot of good stuff into it. You'll all, you will all love it. I'm very excited to share it with all of you. So, um, again, I want to thank you for tuning in tonight. I'm Rory Sauter. God bless you all. We will see you tomorrow, everybody. Cheers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.